Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Greetings and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm your host for this episode, Clint Sabom, and going to have a great conversation with John Berger, author of Make Your Move, and we're going to talk about dating and romance and the new science of dating, why women are in charge. And so some really, really juicy stuff ahead. I wanted to alert listeners as well that um, I have my own podcast on mental health and psychology. So if those are things you're interested in, I have interviews with leading experts and we talk about different mental illnesses. It's called The Sanity Sessions, Exploring Mental Illness and Maladaptations. The Sanity Sessions, kind of like insanity, but sane, sanity, the sanity sessions. And I'll also put a link below to that in the show notes. So um, I hope you enjoy my interview with John and thanks for tuning in to the new books network. John Berger, welcome to the podcast. Clint, thanks for having me on. It's good. Yeah, it's really good to have you. I'm excited about your book, Make Your Move, and to hear you talk about this. Um, what Do you want to give um, the listeners a little introduction about, about yourself that listeners may not be familiar with you? Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm kind of an unlikely person to be writing books about dating. Um, you know, until five six years ago, I I was a kind of a conventional business reporter. I wrote for Fortune magazine and some other and some other um, uh, some other publications as well. And I covered really boring stuff like oil and gas and the stock market and agriculture things like that. Um, and then, but but you know. One of the, when I was a senior writer at Fortune, one of the things I I kept noticing is that while the editorial staff at Fortune was mostly women, all the guys were married like myself, uh, or or at least involved in longer term relationships. Most of us, whereas the women were disproportionately single, and many of them were kind of unhappily single, and that's how I kind of got into this whole subject of dating and. Um, dating demographics that was kind of the the subject of my first book datanomics which came out in 2015 and, and that book um that book was really more pop science than a than a dating advice book it explored how lopsided sex ratios among college graduates have affected post-college dating so for the past 20 plus years we've had one third more women than men graduate from college. And at the same time, um, we've seen an increase in what academics call assortative mating, which is just a fancy way of saying that college grads only want to date and marry other college grads. So we're kind of now stuck with this, with these two very different dating pools, kind of a white collar dating pool with, you know, 30, 35% too many women and a blue collar dating pool with too many men. And, and that's really the focus of my first book, Datanomics. Um, 
but I didn't really have any great solutions for single women who bought the book. And I, I, I kind of viewed the book more as, as like I said, as pop science and kind of a knowledge is power thing. But when I got out on book tour with make your, with, I'm sorry, with datanomics, I discovered that women were still like, while they may have been, may have been happy to discover and learn that their dating woes weren't their fault. They still wanted me to kind of, tell them, well, what do I do? How do I fix this? And I didn't have great answers for them five years ago, but that's what it, what inspired me to, to write Make Your Move. Gotcha. And the title of Make Your Move is pretty um, self-explanatory, I guess. And in, in in the implication is that women um, should learn to make the first move in the 21st century? Yeah. The, yeah. There, there are two big themes to the book. And one of them um, as you just said, kind of pushes back on this notion that's been kind of central to every um, best-selling dating book written over the past, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Uh, books like The Rules and um, Ignore the Guy, Get the Guy. The, you know, the, the conventional dating books are kind of all built on this strategy of playing hard to get you know this notion that men are kind of hardwired for the chase and women um, are best off if they act as passive filters of male advances rather than seeking out actively somebody who they genuinely like Um, and that's really been the messaging of of conventional dating books, dating gurus for a long time. And I, you know, my view in this book and make your move is that I, I don't think this was ever really a helpful message, but in the post me too era, I think it's like really, really unhelpful because the the message that books like the rules and it's copycats, the message that they ask young women to send to young men basically boils down to not interested means keep trying. And I, 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 I mean, men may not be learning the, the lessons of me too as fast as women would like, but we are learning a little bit. And I think one of those lessons is that if, if you're single and you're interested in a woman and she seems disinterested, the right thing to do is to leave her alone. It's sure. not to, it's not to assume that she's playing a game and um, that, that she, she has it in her head that if she seems interested in you, you'll be less interested in her. I, and I kind of feel like we as a society um, need to move past this kind of game playing and everybody needs to be more direct and straightforward when it comes to expressing romantic interest. Yeah. I mean, as a single guy, if, if a woman's going to be playing hard to get, I'm taking that as a no and I'm not, I'm not chasing. (laughs) Yeah, no. and, And like I said, I don't think it was ever a great idea, but really, um, men need to be learning the lessons of Me Too, and I think this is an important one. But it obviously it changes the advice that dating experts and are you know kind of our you know our moms and married girlfriends are giving their single friends because some of the old wisdom when it comes to what women are told to do when it comes to dating it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So, um, 
you basically say, too, that the first move that women do make doesn't have to be a big move. So, yeah, so the kind of the, the rule followers out there, so to speak, um, who push this kind of play hard to get strategy, anytime you suggest to them that a woman make the first move, they, con- they, they tend to conjure up this really scary image of women um, throwing themselves at men. And <laughs> that, you know, like the, it's kind of a scare tactic and that's not at all what I'm talking about. And I'll just give you an example from, from the book. Um, there's a, a young woman I know, um, she, she happens to be kind of a friend of the family. And I, I, I told her, um, I told her about the book and she immediately kind of chimed in with her own personal experience. And, and just as a little background, um, this woman, she's attractive, but the, but the bigger thing to know about her is she has this really outsized personality. She's a real cut up, so to speak. And, you know, obviously some men are kind of intimidated by the whole extreme extrovert thing. And, th- and this woman is an extreme extrovert. And I think sometimes um, that uh, like th- there are guy in the past, there've been guys she's been interested in who just assumed she was being nice and wasn't actually interested in them. So she was telling me about how she started dating her current boyfriend. And she said that they, they met at a party and they were talking for like a half an hour, 45 minutes, having a really good time. But it was clear that he was kind of too nervous or anxious to do anything about it. So at one point she just blurted out, so are you ever going to ask for my number? And that, that, that's how they began. And, you know, he didn't grab her. She didn't, she didn't have to grab his butt or buy him a drink or do anything, you know, uh, outrageous, the kinds of stuff that, that the rule followers out there always talk about. Uh, all she did was kind of open the door wide enough for him to, be, to feel comfortable about walking through. And, and that's really the message of Make Your Move. Sure. Yeah, that's a fantastic example. Um... And, um, I don't know though. I, I imagine a lot of women would just be even nervous to do that though. I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's what I'm, I mean, that's why I wrote the book, just try, trying to change the conversation a little bit, but it is kind of crazy that we're in a world in which women can kick ass and politics and business and sports and so much else, uh, particularly young women, but we're really going to tell them that they can't ask a guy out in a first date or they can't ask their boyfriend to marry them, but they can be vice president, but they can, you know, be, you know, sports heroes and CEOs of, of major companies. And, but, but, they, but at the same time, they're not supposed to ask a guy out in a date and that, you know, that seems pretty illogical from my, my point of view. Yeah, no, that, that this is, I mean, it's kind of why I wanted to interview you because, you know, I got, um, I got divorced a little over a year ago. And so I'm kind of, you know, got put back into the dating pool. And I, I've, I've had that, that exact same thought, you know, that, that women with, with both the me too of, you know, guys are sketchy and, and out of line if they push too hard and, um, you know, 
and also the fact that women are encouraged to be powerful in in all ways. I've been so surprised to to realize that women still want a kind of traditional thing in romance. They really want the guy to make the first move and kind of be the leader. And that's just, it's hard to um, kind of integrate those mixed messages. So, so, so I, I, I mean, I, I think want is, I, I mean, the, the word I'm going to target that you just said is want, because I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. I mean, yes, they, they want that, but I don't think the, I mean, the, the, the people who argue in that direction, they want you to believe that this is kind of hardwired into human biology. Right. Exactly. And it's not, this is, this is the byproduct of socialization. And there are plenty of, of cultures out there in the world in which, um, you know, uh, you know, w- w- women are the ones who make the first move. Um, there are plenty, and a lot of the kind of, a lot of the kind of old-fashioned traditional dating books, like like the rules, they, you know, the authors like to point to evolutionary biology to justify their their points of view. But the reality is that much of the evolutionary biology that they think is real has been thoroughly debunked over the past 10, 20 years um, by mostly female scientists who have shown that that it's this notion that that only men hunted and women didn't hunt, that's wrong. This notion mm-hmm. that uh, other species, that the females are kind of passive filters of male advances and never never actively pursue the best mate, that's wrong. And a, a lot of the um, evolutionary biology that, that the, the rule followers, so to speak, point to, it, is, it has been pushed out there by male evolutionary biologists who have kind of sketchy backgrounds. And like the, the one in particular I'm thinking of is Robert Trivers, who many, many academics, many biologists consider to be the kind of the foremost evolutionary biologist of, of his generation. But the reality is that you know, Robert Trivers, uh, A, his research is kind of um, like the, 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 the you know, a lot of his research is based on a study uh, on fruit flies, of all things, that that um, Patricia Gowadia, a, a, a female scientist at UCLA, basically redid the exact same study and found that contrary to Trevor's belief, the, the female fruit flies were just as aggressive of, as the male fruit flies. Although there is this absurdity that, to the idea that we're going to... Um, draw big conclusions about human behavior based on what fruit flies do in, in a Petri dish or something. But, right. but, th- but that, that aside, Robert Trivers, this, this kind of God of, of evolutionary biology, um, you know, he, he accepted a lot of um, research funding from Jeffrey Epstein. And and when he was when he was <laughs> and when he was questioned about this, I think this is not an exact quote, but he but his excuse was something along the lines of, "Well, girls fourteen or fifteen today are kind of like, you know, l- like women are in their twenties today, so I don't see that this is that bad of a thing." 
<laughs> oh goodness are yeah. you serious yes yeah. so, 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 wow. so, so you have um dating gurus out there who are kind of buying into a mindset that has been pushed on on young women by men like robert trivers and what i'm trying to do with make your move is say you know what this this is not real science this is these are ideas that that young men and young women have been socialized to accept as as biology but they're not biology they're just ideas and culture that have been pushed upon all of us gotcha yeah that epstein story man that's disturbing he was really trying to justify what he was doing even with science that's crazy wow he 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 um provided a lot of funding for male evolutionary biologists um and you know i i it's kind of the dirty little secret of 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 evolutionary biology yeah that's that's fascinating so um, so it's basically, it's patriarchy and it's socialization and it's just kind of another form of the same thing that we've challenged in other areas, but not this area. Right. And, and, and you know, I should say that I'm not, I'm not telling women that they have to do something that that's going to make them miserable. I mean, I, I mean, this is like, I, I kind of view dating books like cookbooks. And, and if you, I mean, I, I, I may give you the the best eggplant parm recipe, so to speak. But if you hate eggplant, I mean, obviously you're not going to make the dish. And, and that's kind of my, my view when it comes to some of this dating advice. Like if you, if you hate the idea of making the first move with a man, this may not be the, the book for you. But uh, what all I'm saying is that, that in this day and age, um, women who are assertive and are willing to take chances with men just have this huge advantage over other women who kind of sit back and wait and wait and wait and wait for men to court them. Because men, men, the, the man of 2021, you know, kind of has different concerns and different priorities than, you know, my dad's generation or probably your dad's generation. I, I, I think we're, we've, you know, we've learned some lessons here and we're not going to behave the same way. Sure. So what about dating apps? Is that a good place to go? Or are you down on dating apps? I am. I, I'm pretty negative on dating apps, but, but I, I, I mean, I should add some, some caveats here that, that number one, I understand that in the era of COVID, um, Online dating may be the only dating some people are comfortable with, and I understand that, and I'm all in favor of making the best of a bad situation. And, and there are also some niche dating apps that I like a lot because they kind of help certain populations that have always struggled with dating and they kind of provide an, an easier on-ramp for them. So, and I, and I write about them in the book, but my general take on dating apps is that they, they don't make dating easier and they, they make dating harder for the majority of singles. But, you know, I, I'm not saying that like, if you, if you met your husband or wife through a dating app, I'm not trying to disparage your relationship. And I'm, you know, if you have a loving relationship, congratulations. I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from what you have. I'm just trying to help, uh, particularly women who are struggling with dating now and are kind of searching 
for solutions to their dating problems. So when it comes to online dating, so many of the surveys show that that online daters don't actually like online dating, which is kind of a funny thing to say, but the majority of people who do online dating have negative opinions of the dating apps. And, right. this, is, and this is particularly true for women. Um, something like, you know, I think 60%, according to Pew Research, of uh, of women say dating is harder now than it was um, 10 years ago. And in case you're wondering, this survey was actually taken before COVID. So this is not a COVID thing. This is a, you know, this is a kind of a, a, a just a generally more recent phenomenon. Uh, also, um, a majority of women on dating apps report experiencing harassment on the apps. And 20% of women on dating apps say they've been threatened with physical violence on dating apps. Oh, so I, I'm... You know, my take on this is, gee, if you think dating is hard and you've been having all these bad experiences, and I'm going to add one more thing to that. The research on this shows that couples who meet online have higher breakup rates than couples who meet in the real world. So not only is it a little scary going on the apps, but um, the the results of these relationships well obviously some people do meet their their soulmates and their life partners online and again i'm not diminishing those people all i'm saying is it's harder uh to meet people online and th there's there's a lot of science behind it and if you're interested i can go into the science yeah please do i'm curious so uh clint do you have a best friend Sure. Okay. Can you imagine going on to bestfriends.com and finding a best friend with the same kind of connection and relationship you have with your best friend? I'm, it, it, yeah, I'd feel a little forced. Right. Because, because the way we, we the way we, you know, really outside of this new phenomenon of online dating, the way that we connect with other human beings is through shared experience. It's why like when you're, when you're with friends, something like a funny joke somebody tells or something funny that you see in a movie or, or, or if you're at a, a football game and something phenomenal happens, it, it, everything feels more intense. It's like the, like the, the um, the joy is a little more joyous. The jokes are a little more funny when we're in the company of other human beings. And the reason that is is because human beings evolved as social animals, and we bond through shared experience. And if you take away that kind of in-person shared experience, it's really harder to to connect with people because, I mean, I, I mean, you're I'm guessing you're probably closer to my age, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 51 than somebody just graduating from college today. And, and I'm guessing when, when you were in your twenties, the concept of a blind date with a complete stranger was relatively rare, right? Is that fair? Yes, that's fair. That's all okay. fair. Okay. Nowadays, a blind date with a complete stranger is a first, a blind first date with a complete stranger is kind of par for the course for people who do online dating. It's most first dates. And like you can share all the kind of 
carefully worded text messages back and forth, but you really have no idea who's going to walk through the door um, of that sushi restaurant or the bowling alley or the Italian restaurant uh, because you don't actually know the person. You don't have any friends in common. And, you know, there's a woman I interviewed for the book who she, she described online dating to me as a doubter's game. And I actually thought this was a, a pretty interesting uh, turn of phrase. And the reason she said this is because her experience with online dating had been that most men were lying to her in some way, either about their career, their backgrounds, um, whether they were looking for an actual relationship or just a hookup, or in some cases, even about whether they were married or not. And she just got so basically downtrodden and um, upset by these guys lying to her that she started like first dates for her. Basically she would spend the entire first date trying to find all the holes in the guy's story. Well, you can imagine if that's your mindset going into a first date, that that's, that's not really conducive to falling in like, or in love. And, and, for, and for women, it's even more complicated because so many of the young single women I, I've interviewed told me basically online first dates begin with a, a ton of fact-checking just to make sure the guy is who he, who he says he is, to make sure that, that Robert, the, the hedge fund manager, isn't actually Billy Bob, the ex-con or something like that. So, so the, the dates begin with this kind of, you know, very skeptical fact-checking. And then the next step is creating escape plans, like talking to your girlfriends, your best friends, your sister, your mom, telling them where you're going to be, giving them all the information just in case something really awful were to happen. Well, well, again, if that's your mindset going into a first date, and I, and I, I don't blame women for having these safety concerns at all, but my, my point is merely it's really hard to connect with somebody if you're going into a first date with that level of anxiety. Yeah, that's really interesting you said that, and it's probably not too appealing of to the guy as well because I did have one experience on a dating app where the person I was talking to um, had run background checks on me. And I, I was done at the sign of that, you know, and it wasn't because I had anything horrible on my record. It was just because if that, if that was her mentality, like I'm not getting anywhere near that. That's creepy. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, I understand that from the guy's perspective, but I want you to, just to be fair, think about it from her perspective. Again, 20% of women on dating apps have been threatened with physical violence. Um, so I, I don't, I don't blame a woman for doing that. Although I understand from the guy's perspective, it, it, it feels a little creepy. Um, my point is really, geez, if, um, if there was kind of a night spot where 20% of the time you were threatened with physical violence, you probably wouldn't go back to that night spot. Well, if that's your experience with online dating, maybe it's time to think about alternative ways to meet people. Um, whether it's, you know, hitting up your friends and family for setups, um, 
that guy you know from work, the, the, the cop that you banter with at the deli. There are all these people that we actually know and like from the real world, but because particularly young people are, are so afraid of awkwardness or, and so reluctant to take chances that, that we're, you know, we, don't, we never actually connect romantically with these people who we already feel some level of comfort with. Okay, and and you say too that uh, the workplace can be a possibility. So there, there are two studies I've seen on this um, that show that that couples who meet at work, the marriage rate is up to thirty percent, and th- and this makes perfect sense to me because if you've been working together with somebody for a year. Um, you know, you already have a pretty good feeling for whether you're compatible. Uh, I mean, maybe not sexually, but you already know whether the other person is kind or trustworthy. You know if he if he treats um, if he treats people well or tries to take advantage of them. You know if your senses of humor um, are compatible or not. So by the time you get to the first date and there are all these kind of romantic stories I tell and make your move about, about couples who met at work. But, but by the time you get to the first date, you're, it's almost like you're like halfway there already because you already know whether or not this is somebody you feel comfortable with and, and with whom you have chemistry with. So that's that's my my argument, and I, I I suspect I know what your what your question is going to be, but go ahead and ask it, and then I'll <laughs> I'll. Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm just saying this is a this is a environment where I definitely think the woman <laughs> should make the first move because all the Me Too stories are about workplace. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I agree with you. I, I agree that it's um it's more complicated nowadays than than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago and actually there's a story i tell in the book i i I came across a an old interview that melinda gates uh, bill gates's wife gave um to um i think it was kind of an early podcast and the interviewer asked melinda gates well how did you and bill start dating and this is the short version of the story, but it was something along the lines of, well, I had just started out at Microsoft as a product manager. Um, he and I had met at some offsite meetings and a few weeks later he called me up and he said, um, so would you like to go out on a date with me maybe in two weeks? And Melinda Gates said that her response, basically her response was to play hard to get. And what she said to him was, well, Two weeks from now, I have no idea what I'm doing two weeks from now. And clearly, you're not, um, you're not spontaneous enough for me. And then she hung up. So, so, huh. so, so she, she's telling the story and she's saying this is, the, you know, she's describing this as the really sweet story of how she and Bill started dating. Well, according to her, her storytelling here, an hour later, Bill Gates called her back and said, is this spontaneous enough for you? And that's how they started dating. Now, she may think this is, is a sweet story, but I'm guessing to your ear and to many of your listeners' ear, that that story is really problematic because you have the CEO, of a, uh, you have the CEO of a company um, who refuses to take no for an answer, calls back, calls her back an hour later, and asks her again. And I, I suspect there are lots of women who 
if you know who would be uncomfortable saying no to the to the second call um now in this case it all worked out in the end and what was okay in 1986 or 87 or whenever the story took place is not okay today and bill gates does not strike me as a creep or a bad a bad person and i'm pretty sure if this were to happen today he would have just taken that as a hard no and moved on um but so, so, but the reality is we're in this different kind of environment in which um, everybody, not just men, have to be kind of more careful. And this kind of game playing, this playing hard to get, um, it isn't just, um, it doesn't just make it less, less likely that the relationship is going to work out. It, it, it creates kind of problems for you at work. It creates kind of... Um, societal and cultural problems. And I think we'd all be better off if we were more direct with each other. But to, but to your point, I do think particularly in this environment, there's this, you know, I, I already think women have an advantage if they make the first move, but certainly when it comes to workplace dating, it's, it's, it's easier for a woman to make the first move than a man. Oh, you think it's easier for them to do too, like psychologically? It's an well, easier no, I, I, shift. I, I, I just think you know, kind of reflecting what you said earlier. I, I believe a lot of men, even if they felt a really strong connection with a woman, they might be afraid to ask her out in this environment. And and I and absolutely. I, and I feel like, as a result of that, again there's this massive advantage for women who are willing to make the first move because um, the other women who maybe like the same guy and keep waiting and waiting and waiting for him to overcome his fears, um, it, it may not happen. So the woman who actually is assertive just has this advantage in today's dating marketplace, so to speak. Although I will say that a couple of the big tech tech companies like Google and Facebook, I I feel like they've they've hit upon a, a pretty a pretty solid solution to the dilemma that we're talking about here. Um, do you want me to explain it? Like like what they're what they're sure. or, yeah. So so both Google and Facebook have these workplace dating policies that that basically say that you're allowed to ask somebody out on a date once, but only once. And anything like a kind of like a, a soft no, or like I'm busy and not tonight, maybe some other time, th that still counts as a no. Um, so you can do that once, but the second time you do it, basically you're fired. And, and I kind of feel like this is a, like a, a sensible solution to the to the dilemma that we're talking about here because it kind of tamps down on this on this problem of men who essentially or men or women I guess who essentially won't take no for an answer. So if, if the if the corporate policy is you can ask somebody out once but only once and anything other than a yes is a no, I, I think that goes a long way towards creating an environment in which workplace dating is is more acceptable yeah and it also kind of gives the person that's going to be asked that basically a heads up like this is the one chance you get because right. of company policy yep yep yeah because, yeah because obviously if she knows that playing hard to get is not going to work you know she's going to be more straightforward and direct as well 
So I'm curious kind of what you think about the actual date, the actual term dating, because I've known a lot of people, including myself, that have met romantic partners just by hanging out or by being friends and doing just casual things as friends and then that shifting to romance and the idea of a date is a little form might be a little too formal for some women. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on this. And I think this is why like like dating in the like the workplace dating idea is kind of goes to what you're talking about because you know, there's this kind of expression, your your work wife or work work husband, something like that that, 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 that you're already good friends. So by the time you get to that first date, it's almost like, um, you know, it, it's not the same as a first date with somebody who you don't know pretty well already. And, and, I, and I agree with you that meeting people in kind of less pressured environment, you know, playing on a a rec soccer or a rec softball team, meeting people that way, um, meeting at church or or some other you know kind of religious environment, uh, meeting as neighbors, um, other community activities. I I do feel it's kind of a more natural, more organic way to get to know somebody than you know trading, you know like having matching with 10 people on an app and then trading awkward text messages, you know, for a day or two and then meeting for sushi, which feels, I think, I think this is what you're saying. It's kind of an unnatural way of getting to know another human being. Sure. Yes, it, it, it can be. And it can also put pressure on the situation so much so that the pressure kills the fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm curious which dating apps that you said were niche apps that you kind of uh, like. Well, I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, and this, is, this isn't this is going to apply to all your listeners, but it'll give you the, a sense of the kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about. Um, so when I was at Fortune magazine, uh, one of my beats at Fortune was covering agriculture. And, you know, I'm a, you know, I, I live in New York. I grew up in Boston. So uh, over time, I, I ended up spending all this time in Iowa and Minnesota and rural parts of Illinois covering kind of ethanol and corn growers and soybean farmers and things like that. So I, I got to know, learn a lot more about agriculture in the U.S. than your typical city slicker. And one of the things I, I learned about agriculture is that the whole business of agriculture has become inc- you know, much, much more efficient over the past 20, 30 years. And as a result, one farmer can farm like twice as many acres today as he could, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And it's because the seeds are better, the 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 farm equipment is better, the the pesticides and the herbicides are better. So as a result, farming has become less labor intensive. But when farming becomes less labor intensive, what that means is you have fewer people living in farm communities. And trust me, I'm, I'm going to circle back to dating here in a, in a second. Um, and if you if you have fewer people living in farm communities, it, it, it's not like the grandmas and the grandpas who move away to find work. It's the young people. So the end result is you end up with much smaller populations of singles in some of these rural counties and 
Iowa or Kansas or wherever. And the, the dating pools get get pretty thin pretty quickly. I think in the in Make Your Move, I I, I give an example of one county in Iowa where um, you know, I think like among singles age I, I, I'm going to be off a bit, but among eight singles age, like 27 to 35, there were only about 60 people total, you know, in, in the entire County who were, who were unmarried and in that age bracket. And I guarantee you those 60 people already know each other or pro, or very likely already know each other. And if the sparks haven't flown by now, it's pretty unlikely that something is going to happen. So, so this kind of gets to one of the apps I like, which is Farmers Only, um, you know, FarmersOnly.com or the Farmers Only dating app. And w- what an app like that allows is it kind of makes dating easier for people who kind of live in these um, in these sparsely populated ranching or farming communities where connecting with other singles is very difficult. Um, and you know, you like you, you might not you might have never met the single person a hundred miles away were it not for the app. Um, and also like if you're a corn grower in Iowa, like it might seem like driving a hundred miles for a first date is a long way to go, but like corn growers don't have a lot to do in February anyway. So it's probably all good. So, so that's the kind of thing I'm talking. I was talking about apps that take populations that, um, that have kind of, structural problems when it comes to dating and make dating easier. Do you think that there could be apps based around? Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of all that, the apps that could be made along those lines. And I'm not sure if they're out there or not apps that, you know, are for particular professions even. Well, I, I mean, I've, I've always thought that it'd be great if we could have a dating app that, kind of supplemented workplace dating. Because like I said, I, I firmly believe that the workplace is the best place to meet a life partner. But as we discussed, there are kind of inherent challenges to dating at work. But wouldn't it be great if there were an app out there that kind of allowed you to match with people who you already know through your friend group or through work in this case, and kind of revealed mutual interest before anybody risks getting sent to, to HR, like, like something like that, like an app that, that connected people within the same social sphere, I think would be great. And, and, and actually, you know, one of the more popular apps, Hinge, used to, you know, when Hinge launched, that was kind of the business model. In order to, to match with somebody on Hinge, you had to already be Facebook friends or Facebook friends of friends. So they were already in your social sphere before the first date. And um, early on, I think, you know, Hinge used to tout the fact that uh, even though it was a relatively small app in terms of the number of users, um, there were more mentions of Hinge in the New York Times wedding section um, than any other dating app. And, and And my belief is that it was because they were connecting people who were already within the same social sphere. Now, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, Hinge was bought by Match Group, which is kind of the 10,000-pound gorilla in the in the dating space. And, and Hinge is, you know, now operates much more conventionally. It no longer has this, this Facebook friends requirement that it used to. And, you know, so 
So that that kind of a of an app doesn't really exist in the same way. But but to your point, I, I do think there are opportunities out there for dating apps to connect people who either already know each other or in the same friend groups or kind of the same social spheres. And I think those kinds of matches are most likely to lead to marriage. Great. Well, it's been really fascinating having this conversation and listening about all of this. Is there anything you want to, you know, leave our listeners with before we wrap up the interview? Can I tell people how to buy the book? Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so the the book is Make Your Move, uh, The New Science of Dating and Why Women Are in Charge. And if you're searching for it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Walmart or any other, I mean, it's, it's available at all the major booksellers. The thing to remember is my name is spelled oddly. Uh, it's J O N no H and it's burger with an I B I R G E R. So if you, unfortunately, if you, if you misspell my name, the algorithms at Amazon and some of the other, uh, you know, uh, retailers will direct you to, to other authors. So, uh, sure. so, so you can, that's how you buy the book. If you want to reach out to me directly, you, uh, you can contact me at my author website, which is johnberger.com again, J O N B I R G E R. Um, or you can reach me at Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm at John Berger one on Twitter. And I guess the only other thing I'd mention to your listeners is I do, um, I do do these um, kind of book club Q and A's for book clubs who read my books. Um, and you can, if you want to reach out to me about that, you can do so on my website, johnberger.com. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, it's been a pleasure, John. Enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, Clint, for having me on. <laughs>